we often ask people or, or try to get people when we use videos or, or flyers or brochures to imagine what it would be like if something happened or, or if they did something. And I think one of the benefits of, of virtual reality, and including immersive virtual reality, is that you can actually go beyond asking people to imagine something. You can actually drop them into a simulation that gives them much better understanding of what's, how something could play out or how an action could have positive benefits. You're listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Join your hosts, Michael and Jenna, as they discuss all things ORAU through interviews with our experts who provide innovative scientific and technical solutions for our customers. They'll talk about ORAU's storied history, how we're impacting an ever-changing world, and our commitment to our community. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Does virtual reality hold the key to increasing flu vaccination among young people? For this episode of the Further Together podcast, we talked to Dr. Glenn Nowak at the University of Georgia and Karen Carrera at ORAU. They've worked together on a research study evaluating the use of immersive virtual reality in potentially increasing influenza vaccination among people aged 18 to 49. Their research is published in the journal Vaccine and was published through an ORAU-directed research and development grant. Dr. Nowak is professor and director of the Grady Center for Health and Risk Communication at the University of Georgia. Dr. Carrera is research and evaluation project manager for health communication and technical training programs at ORAU. Take a listen. So welcome, everyone, to another episode of Further Together, the ORU podcast. Um, Jenna and I are on the line with Dr. Gwen Nowak from the University of Georgia and Karen Carrera from here at ORU. And they have done an ODRD study. It's an ORU-directed research and development project that has led to research that will be published in the journal Vaccine on Monday, December 2nd, about using virtual reality to increase acceptance among young adults for getting the influenza vaccine. So Dr. Nowak and Karen, welcome to Further Together. Thank you. Um, We're we're very very excited to have you guys here. This is a really interesting topic. So, Karen and Glenn, uh, whichever of you, talk about how this, just from the, I guess, 30,000-foot view, what does this study tell us? And then we can kind of take a step back and talk about how we got here. So in your research, what did you do? What did you find? Well, it turns out in the United States that, that influenza vaccination is recommended for all people six months and older. And that recommendation is about 10 years old. Ten years later, ten years since that recommendation was put in place, only about 27% of adults 18 to 49 years old in the United States receive an annual influenza vaccination. And so it's been really difficult to persuade 18 to 49-year-olds to get a flu vaccination. And one of the reasons probably is that many of them don't believe um, there's a problem if they don't get vaccinated, that, that for them, influenza is a manageable illness and if they don't get vaccinated, all they have to do is, is, is deal with the illness if, should, they, should they get it. 
Unfortunately, influenza can be transmitted from people who are infected to other people, including people for whom it would, could be quite, quite harmful, such as um, children, um, people who have long-term chronic health conditions, and people who are 65 and older. And so what our study was, was, was designed to do was, was look at whether a relatively new technology, um, immersive virtual reality, where you can actually feel like you're part of an experience, would have value in terms of trying to educate younger flu-avoidant adults about the importance of getting a seasonal flu vaccination. And so we designed a study to look at whether that would be the case. And this study showed that, that immersive virtual reality does appear to hold promise, um, but it's gonna, for it to work, it has to make people feel like they're part of the experience. And so it's not just a simple matter of just using virtual reality. You have to use it in a way so that people feel engaged and part of the experience. So is that the difference between just regular virtual reality and immersive virtual reality? I noticed that you were very specific um, about it. Is that, is that kind of the difference between the two? It, yes, it is. Um, immersive virtual reality means that, that, you, that, that it's a much more involved experience. And so, for instance, one of the things that we did in this virtual reality experience was that people used handheld video game controllers. And at certain points in the video, they were using those controllers to try to kill influenza um, viruses in a person's body. And so that, that gave them the feeling of being actively involved. In other parts of the um, experience, they had to turn a doorknob, they had to press a button to go up and down an elevator. And so you weren't just using three-dimensional visual images, you were adding to that by making them active participants. So they're not just watching something with like a simulation of, you know, here's the virus spreading. They're actually participating in some level of activity. That's correct. I didn't, I guess I didn't realize until you said it um, that flu uptake in this age group, the 18 to 49 age group was as low as it is. Um, and I think you, you know, you talked about some of the factors, um, you know, flu is something people can deal with. Um, they may not realize that they may put others at risk if they're not vaccinated, um, that sort of thing. Um, did the results, um, did you ask in the results if, if people's minds were changed by seeing that through the immersive experience, if that question makes any sense at all? Yeah, so, so, so we did a couple of things. One, one was it, it, before they even came to the location to participate in the study, they, everybody completed a, a short online survey. And one of the questions in that online survey was asking participants if they were aware or if they knew a seasonal flu vaccination was recommended for people like them, that is people their age. Mm -hmm. And then we, we again asked that question after at the end of um, going through the experience and, and, and being asked other questions. But one of the questions that was also asked was, how likely would you be or do you intend to get a, a influenza vaccination going forward? And what we found was among 
Well, I found two findings. One was that we did increase people's knowledge um, that a flu shot was, was, was something that was recommended for them. And so at the beginning of the study in the pretest, I think it was about a, a third of the participants knew that a flu vaccination was recommended for people their age. That number went beyond 70%, I believe, in, at the end oh. of the study. So we did increase people's wow. knowledge. But, but yeah. it, again, it also illustrates that, that increasing knowledge is not nearly the same as changing people's beliefs and their behavior. You can increase knowledge a lot quicker and a lot um, easier. But we did find that among the group of people who were in the virtual reality experience, those who, who rated the experience as feeling like they were actually in it, um, a number of those participants indicated that they were would likely to be get a flu shot going forward. Okay. After this study, um, Dr. Nowak or Karen either, um, so what happens next? What, where do we go from this awesome research that holds promise for using immersive virtual reality to increase vaccine uptake among young people um, is being published to uh, what happens next in terms of putting it out there? I'm assuming more money would be helpful, <laughs> sponsorship, whatever, um, you know, to, to make more immersive virtual reality experiences available to people. Well, I think there's two things. One, I think additional studies need to be done because, um, you know, with the ODRD funding, it was, we're so happy we had it, but it only allowed us to do a small study. So I think a larger study um, okay. would definitely need to take place. And I also think um, maybe even having different scenarios um, to maybe see, you know, if for different people, different scenarios may work better. Oh, so like A-B testing of scenario, of the experience, that sort of thing? Yeah, I think um, one, you know, the person themselves didn't experience, you know, the potential effects of an illness and maybe showing them possibly what could happen if they actually experienced it themselves um, versus this scenario just showed that you could be spreading it to others. Um, of course, we're dealing with 18 and 49 year olds. So, you know, that could be a little bit tricky given that sometimes they don't experience as many complications as um, some others do. But if they did have chronic illness such as asthma, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that could actually may put them in jeopardy. Okay. What do you think, Glenn? Yeah, no, I would agree. I think, I think as Karen mentioned, that, that one of the, the next steps is doing a larger study with more people. One of the challenges with, with, with communication studies and persuasive communication studies is that it's really hard to persuade people. And so to be able to show that you've done that, you often need um, hundreds of people in the different conditions to be able to uh, detect smaller effects. So I think that, that's definitely one of the things that has to happen. And then I think the other thing is we looked at, um, did, the, did you feel like you were actually part of the experience? Other studies that have, that have looked at virtual reality have found that if you can generate empathy um, with the people in the virtual world, that can be another way to persuade people. 
And so I think I think there's, this was you know one path to persuasion. There are other possible ways that virtual reality can be used to persuade people, and, and studies that would look at those other ways would also make a lot of sense. So if anyone's listening who has some money <laughs> and wants to help you, this would be an opportunity, right? <laughs> um, Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> was there any follow just a just thinking about the folks who were in this study, was there any follow-up to determine whether or not folks in the study actually got their flu shots based on the experience? Do we know that that happened, no. or was it all about the communication piece? No. Sorry, Karen, Unfortunately, say that. we don't have any follow-up. Unfortunately, we don't have any follow-up okay. data. And, and it's often difficult to do that kind of follow-up because you have to get human subjects approval for, for studies, and oftentimes mm -hmm. you, you're promising confidentiality and anonymity. And so we, we couldn't actually go back and, 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 and recruit, re recruit those people to find out what they did. Okay. I gotcha. Um, just sort of taking a step back to, I guess, the origins of how um, – Dr. Nowak, you and ORU came together um, to do this study. Was this an idea that, you know, say you and Karen or, you know, our organization came together collectively to work on? Was it mutual interest? Were we looking for an opportunity? I, know, I mean, I know we've done other work, um, you know, with UGA and the communications department. So just wondering, you know, from a from a higher level, um, how this study even came to be? It was mutual interest, and one of the things that, uh, with the with the ORAU um, partnership grant that we was used to support this was um, looking for for a project that would be mutually beneficial. And I know there was interest in, 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 in on the ORAU side in terms of learning more about some of the technologies that were used in the study, such as virtual reality. And then on our side at the University of Georgia, there was interest um, in my colleagues in using the technologies that they were skilled in employing on real-world problems. And so getting more young adults or 18 to 49-year-old adults to get a flu vaccination is a real-world problem. And so I think um, this project was, was mutually beneficial um, and helped both sides um, learn things that would be of benefit going forward. Right. And I, I know Vaccine is publishing this um, at the beginning of National Influenza Immunization Week. So I'm assuming our underlying message for everyone is get your flu shot. <laughs> That's correct. Definitely. <laughs> Particularly if you're in the 18 to 49 age group, just because we want to see that number increase. Um, to me, this sounds like a study that I think would generate a lot of interest. You know, it's the, not only because it's National Influenza Vaccination Week, but, you know, there have been several national news stories on flu. And of course, as, as influenza sort of spikes up across the country, you know, we see more reportage of that. So it seems like this would be a subject of great interest to not just the media, but, um, you know, people in general looking for ways to 
to solve the you know, other health professionals looking for ways to sort of solve that problem of vaccine uptake. Does that seem Yeah, to- and I think it's great potential because virtual reality is becoming more affordable. And mm-hmm. so, you know, hopefully maybe not in, you know, too far off that you could actually see possibly as you're in a waiting room, you know, something like um, what we did in our study, you know, available for people before they go into the doctor's office to think about "Mm, maybe I, you know, experience that situation and make them think, oh, my grandmother or, oh, you know, that our newborn baby, let's go ahead and get um, vaccinated today. Um, And rather than just a plain brochure. Right, exactly. So, um, I love the I love the image of that of you know walking into your doctor's office and popping on a headset and being part of health messaging and maybe one day we'll see that become a reality. Um, Dr. Nowak and Karen, anything you want to say about the study that um, Jen and I haven't mentioned? Well, the other thing I, I would I would just point out in, in building off what Karen just said is that. We often ask people or, or try to get people when we use videos or, or flyers or brochures to imagine what it would be like if something happened or, or if they did something. And I think one of the benefits of, of virtual reality, and including immersive virtual reality, is that you can actually go beyond asking people to imagine something. You can actually drop them into a simulation that gives them much better understanding of what's, how something could play out or how an action could have positive benefits. And so I think one of the things that this study um, really shows is that I think that that is part of the great potential for virtual reality as a communications platform is that um, it can do a better job than just asking people to imagine something. Right. And they can see immediately because they're, again, they're immersed in the situation. They can see what their role is. They can, because they're acting it out as part of the experience. Right. So it's not just a function of, you know, close your eyes and imagine. They're they're actually participating and seeing it unfold before their eyes. It's exciting to think about for sure. I think that's all I have. So Dr. Nowak and Karen Carrera, thank you so much for joining us. I just want to thank the ODRG because um, they allowed us this opportunity. And I know um, Scott Hale, Deborah McFalls, and myself have learned a lot from this project from our partners at UGA. And it really couldn't have happened without that funding. Awesome. Thank you for that. And Glenn, anyone else on your team that we want to give a shout out to you? Sure. My, I, I had a number of colleagues who were involved in this who, who brought their skills. So, um, Professor Grace Ahn is um, the, a faculty member here who has a virtual reality and augmented reality lab. Um, Bart Wodinski and Nate Evans and Maria Len Rios were the three other colleagues of mine who joined us on this research project. Wonderful. Thank you both so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. To learn more about any of the topics discussed by our experts, visit www.orau.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn 
at O-R-A-U. And on Instagram at O-R-A-U together. <laughs>